Together we can love our bodies again Here on the gray scale Hi you guys, I'm Chrissy And I'm Sierra And this is the Gray Scale Podcast Welcome back, or if you're just joining us, welcome We are so happy to have the ball rolling again, and we can't wait to introduce you all to our lovely guest. But first, we just want to remind everyone to please reach out with any questions, comments, concerns that you might have, and please, please, please DM us if you are interested in coming on the show. We want to chat with you. Yes. And oh, also a reminder to share us with your friends and drop a review if you're liking what you're hearing or if you're not liking what you're hearing and you want to drag us, give it, give it to us. We want it. Um, And we want to keep growing the conversation. So yeah. And um, just a uh, disclosure, some transparency. Usually we record um, Sierra and I together and then either do a Zoom interview Um, But I wasn't feeling well today, so I went home. So um, if any audio thing is um, different, that is why. Moving on, (laughs) now we're so excited to introduce our guest this week, Anna Smith. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Um, Well, tell us about yourself. Um, hi, my name is Anna. Um, I'm 21. I'm a senior musical theater major at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I'm from Dayton. I've lived here most of my life. And I'm a singer, dancer, actress, choreographer, um, a Taurus. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Yay, we're so, so happy to have you. Um, And I actually know Anna through my sweet roommate um, who did a contract with her and they met and fell deeply in love. And (laughs) so, (laughs) yes, uh, so she came into my life that way and we are so excited to have you. Um, And I think we should just jump right in. Let's do it. All right. Um, Anna. Is there an opinion that you had as a kid or teen about weight or health nutrition that has changed as you've now gotten older? Yeah, um, I think that my opinions on this are always changing. I think that um, I'm always trying to educate myself about things that I've been taught or things that have been instilled in me as a child. Um, I grew up as a ballerina. I wanted to be a ballerina my whole life um, and got into theater a little bit later into my high school years. Um, And so a lot of my body opinions and body stigmas are attached to dance, um, unfortunately, as they often are. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, when I was a kid, especially growing up wanting to be a ballerina, the worst thing in my mind that you could be was fat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of had to reevaluate and educate myself on why that's not true. (laughs) And I'm still trying to do that now. But yeah, I think that was just a huge thing that I felt as a kid is that, you know, anything regarding your body being any type of way that was different than the traditional ballet body um, was something that I viewed as negative so yeah I definitely think that that's changed now luckily <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah. 
I think, I think a lot of people are in the same boat, um, you know, across the board, just because like our, our families had, uh, a, a certain idea of what, you know, what is supposed to be beautiful. Um, our parents were growing up in the seventies when, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, when being skinny was like everything. Um, and I think that it's, it's really created this, obviously this huge um, stigma for us now. So I think that everybody that's kind of in this generation is having to do a lot of unlearning, but I think it's really awesome that you've like already done so much of that work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, exactly what you were saying about, about our, our parents and everything. I think it's important to keep having the conversations and keep learning. Um, I mean, I catch myself even still having opinions when I'm taking a class or looking at myself and it's, you know, about changing that inner dialogue um, and things that are thrown at you in society and just kind of reteaching yourself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really funny. I was having lunch um, with a friend today actually, and we were talking about how we both um, totally have like imposter syndrome when it comes to going to dance classes in New York. And um, she, you know, I was saying like, I always feel like because I am the size that I am, you know, people are, and like, because I, you know, I have technique, I've danced my whole life, but I don't, like physically, sometimes I'm not capable of doing certain things because my body just like physically can't do it, particularly ballet. I really struggle with it. Um, and, and so I think that I had, I have this hesitation in, you know, going to dance classes here in the city, because I feel like I'm going to walk into the room and people are going to make assumptions about me because of my size and my, you know, my ability. And she was saying the same thing, but the other way around. And she was saying, you know, because I am, you know, I'm taller and I'm thinner and like people look at me and think that I'm going to be like a, a, a Trina <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and then like when the technique maybe isn't there, I feel like people are going to judge me. And it's so funny because, uh, you know, I think one of the big things that I've learned is that people in a dance class are actually just looking at themselves, exactly. <laughs> you know, sadly, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've mentioned on the, the podcast before that I have such a fear of dance because, um, well, when I performed, like I was always disc, I didn't have any training. I didn't dance growing up. So when I started like acting and doing musical theater in middle and high school, I was kind of immediately discredited out of a knee dance, anything. Mm -hmm. So what, whether or not I ever had an opportunity to become a, a dancer and have technique is who's to say, but I, I became afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And I like, I've done a 305 class with Sierra before. And I'm like afraid of that, even like in a more workout context, it makes me anxious but I'm trying, um, my, I have like a, a, like a figure skating, like crew and we all do zoom classes together, like zoom workouts together. And, um, we've been starting to challenge each other with like 30 minute dance workouts that we'll do on YouTube. And we just like, before the next time we see each other on zoom, we try to do it. And I have been avoiding them. And finally one night I was, I live alone and I was like, why am I so afraid of even dancing just to like be alone. No, not to perform just to have a good time. And like, it's a fun way to exercise. 
It's a fun way to like express yourself and learn how your body moves. So I'm really trying to challenge myself to remove this idea that I can't ever dance because whether or not I'm good is irrelevant. Like it's still a fun thing to do. And it's a beautiful art that I appreciate. And I don't, I feel like I've for so long, so many people for similar reasons, count themselves out of even finding enjoyment in it because they're like, well, I'm not supposed to look, I don't look good dancing because of my size or whatever that may be. Yeah. Well, I think this is a very good jumping off point for this next question um, because it's kind of similar. So how do you think other people perceive you or your body um, both in person and on social media? Yeah, um, this is such an interesting question. I, I definitely think that it's impossible for me to know, obviously, how I'm being perceived. However, like based on comments that have been made to me, I think that my social media presence in terms of this topic is very heavily apparent. Um, And a lot of people who I've met in the program and who have come in as freshmen um, have said that to me, that they really look up to the things I post and that they really love like reading about body neutrality and like everything like that and that it's helped them. Um, and then I feel like when you meet me in person, you kind of get more of that unedited dialogue, the like unedited conversation where stuff actually comes out of like, okay, she's struggling too. Um, because I mean, like I was saying before, I think it's a process. It's a journey. It's something that never goes away. Um, and you may come a long way with it and feel like you're doing great for a solid couple months and then every once in a while it'll just hit you that you feel like the way you look is a bad thing um so I I think that social media has been an outlet for me to kind of journal almost like Mm -hmm. I, I just love I love social media a lot of people have mixed emotions about social media I personally just really enjoy it I think it's a really cool tool to like market yourself Um, and so I really enjoy posting personal things about me on there. Um, people always say like Instagram specifically is like a highlight reel of your life, um, which is true of course. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't choose which photos to post for hours or whatever. But, um, I, I, I still really like the opportunity to share insecurity on social media as well. Um, but I think when you meet someone in person, it, it just comes out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so talking about my body perception, I think that obviously things are, um, you know, the best selection of photos of me on Instagram. And then you'll see a, a different version of me in my 830 ballet <laughs> class. Um, but yeah, I, I get a lot of mixed responses from people who um, can relate to my body type specifically being in this kind of mid range where in the theater and dance community, I'm viewed as mid-sized or even plus sized. Um, and then in life, barely being viewed that way. Sometimes, um, it's kind of this weird balance where you might face discrimination in the industry that you wouldn't face in everyday life. Um, when you see me, I'm not, you know, a plus sized person or a fat person. Um, but I definitely have curves and stretch marks and cellulite and things that other actors and dancers 
in my program and in my everyday life don't have. Um, so I think that's really interesting to kind of talk about and ride that wave of in between. I, yeah. I really want to thank you for sharing that because I, I think it's really important to like bring to mind that like there is, I don't know, I, I love your, your perspective on social media and how you like to use it. Cause I think that can be incredibly healing for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also, um, cause I know Anna, you and I have talked about this before and I think that, um, there is like such difficulty when you grow up performing and you are not thin that you're kind of like, okay, well, where do I fit? Because, because there's so much of theater and, and so much like standard theater and golden age theater that, you know, where, where women are written a very specific way. And the way that that was perceived at that time was like, oh, okay, well, this is like the, the picture perfect woman who is thin, you know? And, and I think that it can cause a lot of problems when you have people, you know, who are at the forefront of the industry who are making incredible change and, and really fighting against that and saying, well, you know, people come in all shapes and sizes and let's showcase that. But then you also have people that have been in the industry for a really long time that are, you know, teaching in institutions or, you know, teaching in high schools or, you know, teaching ballet or teaching dance, you know, all over the country, all over the world who still have, um, or adhere to this older way of thinking and, and perceiving what theater should look like on stage and what women especially should look like on stage. And I think that, you know, I know you've spoken to this some, but if you wanted to kind of like talk a little bit more about your experience, cause I, I know that you're kind of start, you're really feeling this in your program right now. <laughs> Yes, um, for sure. Also, if you hear barking, that's my corgi. Um, oh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm a senior um, at a university in Ohio. Um, obviously, in terms of topics like this, Ohio isn't so much um, a liberal environment. However, um, a college like a university level course, especially for something like theater, tends to be more accepting. Obviously. Um, but in my class specifically, we're talking a lot about type and um, just like kind of categorizing yourself in the industry and figuring out how to like, I guess, market yourself in a way that is helpful for your career, what to audition for, what you're good for, etc. cetera, um, which a lot of people in my class have been struggling with. We've all been talking about um, the whole concept of type just makes me uncomfortable. Um, I think in terms of race and body, it's really hard to say I'm this one thing. And a lot of people make the argument of, oh, it's not boxing yourself in, it's, it's you know, figuring out what your strengths are. But I, I, I disagree in the sense that I think that a lot of type is based on appearance and that's not my strengths. So, um, it's just a very uncomfortable conversation and with being a senior and a lot of focus being on showcase and stuff like that it's pretty much all we're talking about um right now and um something I was discussing with Sierra and also Sierra's roommate Sarah um I 
was struggling with the fact that I don't think I fit into a specific type because my whole life I've been told that I, I have a mature sound and a mature um, vocal range, but I look very, very young. Um, I also have a curvy build. So playing young isn't always gonna be easy. Um, so it's just kind of this weird middle ground that I'm trying to find. Um, but we had this assignment where we had to choose a group of actors or actresses that we felt we were similar to with our performance persona or with our appearance. Um, I chose five that I was pretty confident in before I went into my presentation. And then midway through the presentation, I started getting very insecure about the people I chose and found myself not only putting myself down for comparing myself to those people, but putting them down. Mm. Um, putting people that I was comparing myself to down only because if I'm similar to them, they have to be lesser. Mm. Um, they're not an ingenue. They're not a soprano. They're not this or that. And so in comparing myself to them, I was not only deprecating, like self-deprecating myself, but them as well. Um, I think it's, I think it's amazing that you had that realization though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely took a breakdown (laughs) to understand that. Um, But specifically, like I said, I have been dancing my whole life um, and specifically ballet is my strong suit. And um, comparing myself to some of the other stronger dancers in my class who had people on their list like Gwen Verdon or Sutton Foster, people who I can never compare myself to, even with my dance ability, Mm -hmm. um, simply because I'm never going to be up for the same roles that those people had. Those are people in an era that I don't fit well into. It's not where my home base is. Um, And... So in, in return, somehow feeling like I'm less of a dancer because mm. I have a different build. Um, that was the biggest realization for me is, is I've never really wanted to be the soprano ingenue. It was never that. It was this feeling of I'm a dancer who doesn't look like a dancer is supposed to look. So yeah. Yeah. Where, like, where do I go with that in the field? Will people cast me? Will they not cast me? Um, and even dealing with that at a university level where I in my own head, whether this be the reason or not, blame not getting cast on my physical appearance rather than my actual ability. That's something I fall into a lot um, that I've tried to get out of and still trying to get out of. Yeah. It's it's really, um, the industry, like theater, acting, whatever, dance, all of it, it's so, intertwined in like how of how others see you and I find it really frustrating when I was pursuing theater that people would come to me and they'd be like and they would ask me like well what do you think my type is and I think I've grown and learned a lot since then and I don't quite agree with this opinion anymore but I feel like I used to use I, well exactly so I was like well type is a good thing because it's it's helps you you know that's how people are just gonna see you right. and I I find it frustrating that that's still how you know I hear that still to this day with my friends who perform is those like well it's not my type so I can't go in for it and the unfortunate thing is it's easy to say well why don't you go in for it anyways but it's never that simple and getting 
in a room and not seeing people who look like you or going for it, putting your an effort into a self tape or something like that and facing any form of potential rejection is a very vulnerable experience. And I, I always get into fights with people when they talk about how Broadway is or theater is desperately trying to diversify themselves. And you can have opinions on that because I don't think it's quite fast enough, but I especially think it is being ignored body type. People, I think, forget that diversity also includes body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, and I think that, you know, just on the conversation of type too, like there is actually so much more to it than your body. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I think for me, what I ended up kind of discovering, like as I was in college, because I think it was really confusing for me too. I was like, well, I don't know what this means. And I feel like it's all about what I look like. And so I can't play this because I don't look like that you know, but like, you know, there've been roles that I played in my life where it feel like I just identify so strongly with the character that it, it like, that feels like that's what my quote unquote type is. Um, and like, that's not really one thing because I'm a multidimensional human being as are the people that we're portraying on stage. Right. So, and, and then, you know, like it's just so much more multifaceted than that. And it's like, even if somebody isn't, you know, quote unquote, your type, you make them your type, like, like Meryl Streep, right? Like, has done such a wide range of different types of roles, like literally pretty much everything under the goddamn sun. And, and yet there is something that's always like, oh, this is just so her about every role that she plays, because that's what you do as a fucking actor, <laughs> you bring yourself to the role and you make it your type. Yeah. And so I feel like mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think this conversation of like, oh, well, you have to type yourself and you only can, you only should be going for roles that are, you know, that type. I think the only two things that you have to take into consideration when you're talking about that realistically are, you know, like, are you, is it age appropriate or at least believably age appropriate? And are you, are you, being respectful to other cultures and other races. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) I, it's, it's such a weird thing to explain. Like you said, there's kind of this desire to connect to a role that feels close to home Mm -hmm. and the fear of not getting to play a certain role because you don't quote unquote, look the part is just so disheartening. Um, I also think, you know, with college specifically, like, my type right now is going to be different than my type in 10 years. I'm probably going to play high school or mid twenties for a long time. Um, and, you know, I'm currently in a production of Mamma Mia. I'm playing Rosie. I don't look like anyone's aunt at all. Um, but, you know, what you do in college is kind of this weird little um, small community. So it's, it's easy to kind of not know what your type even is when you're playing roles that are older than you are. Um, going off of what you had said, Sierra, about, about, um, connecting with a a role is, I think that 
it, what's also hard about what we're talking about in my class right now is that um, we're having to perform songs from our book and stuff mm-hmm. like that that we could potentially use for showcase and just songs that we think represent us. Um, and doing that for our class, our program of people who, some who know us very well, some who don't, some who only see us in auditions, professors who don't really know us, and then them disagreeing with a song that you choose to represent yourself is just so strange. Um, we, you know, we're doing that in, in class right now where we have to stand up and sing a song and explain why we think it represents our performance persona. Um, and it's so weird how a song that could be, you know, written by a composer from however many years ago is representing me today in 2021. Obviously it's not gonna be perfect. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, what you bring to it shows them who you are. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just that weird fine line Um, But even just seeing the material that people have chosen, it's very clear to me that a lot of people view themselves a certain way, specifically because of the way they look or um, the parts they've played in the past, even Um, played a lot of comedic roles. I fully think I'm capable of playing dramatic roles. Um, I think it's easy as someone, like I said, who doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what other actors or dancers look like to be the butt of a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I doubt if I'm really a funny actress or if I'm just nice to laugh at. Mm. Yeah. That's so poignant. I love that you said that because I mean, it's, that's like, I I'm so sorry that you feel that way (laughs) because it's so accurate. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I I think that, I think there are a lot of people that are going to identify with that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever experienced discrimination regarding your body or physical appearance? Yeah, this this question is, um, I think I touched on this a little bit before with mm-hmm. saying that I don't face discrimination in my everyday life. I'm not someone who is a plus size person or someone that maybe someone who passes me in Target would think as fat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky to fit into a size large in clothes, sometimes even a medium. Those are things that a lot of people don't have that experience. Their size is not available or stuff like that. Um, Those are things that I'm lucky enough not to experience. Um, But back on growing up as a ballerina, I faced discrimination in my company from girls in my class um, from dance teachers making comments about my body from a young age, um, pointing out my, my puberty, my growth at age like 13, things that are just ridiculous that you only really hear about in a ballet class. Um, I, the first time I think I was aware of people pointing at my body was when I was 13 and I had just recently got on point and, um, I just noticed how much easier it was for people smaller than me to jump on point, to turn even their weight just distributed in a way that I didn't experience. Teachers were always trying to tell me to tuck my my butt under, um, my leotard, people telling me it's not supportive enough and this and that, and that that's why I can't jump. And just things that I started noticing um, because of the environment I was in, not necessarily even the way I look, but just the environment I was in where the standard is so much smaller than even the societal standard. Um, but yeah, and, and even in my BFA program, like I said, I, 
I think we have a variety of bodies in my program, um, but specifically in, in as far as the people in the program who are strong trained dancers, that's lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard for me to compare myself to. Um, like I said, I'm in a production of Mamma Mia. We do a fitness warm up every single day before rehearsal. And to me, it's hard for me to know if it's because of stamina when some of the comments that are made are getting bikini body ready, Mamma Mia body ready, like just things that are filtering in from not only just professors, but even students who don't know how these things they're saying can be affecting someone. Um, I had many friends of mine who were in the show who told me that the entire summer they were worried about wearing a bikini on stage, people from a variety of sizes. Um, and, and those are the things that I, I wonder, especially, especially playing a role like Rosie, where I don't have to wear a bikini in the show. Um, all the women who were called back for the part are very similar to me in build. Um, it makes me wonder if that's intentional. Um, and just knowing that we won't have to wear something that the other people will wear. And like I said, I think it's hard to know if those are your own personal insecurities or actual intent because you're never going to know what's being talked about, you know, in the casting mm-hmm. process. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard. And I think those lines get blurred. And, and that's the kind of discrimination I, I do feel and that I have experienced is, is just attached to this field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, like, I think that it's so poignant that we're talking about this because I do think that this is like, rampant in in the performance community across the board um you know like of course that's like the the like hashtag broadway body thing Mm -hmm. you know right like that's that's such a thing and and i guess you know for those of you that are not involved in the theater scene it's definitely a thing um (laughs) i mean sierra our freshman year i think we made a jokes about getting a broadway body like every day yeah exactly That was, and that was just the thing is that like that, because at that age we were, you know, we were like deeply insecure and, you know, that's just what, what we thought we were supposed to be talking about and right. And, and, you know, I think I like, I think that it's unfortunate that this is the case, but I want to encourage people who are in these programs and, and, you know, in dance classes and, and, you know, in performance communities all over to challenge that, especially when it's coming from authority figures. Um, Because I, I think that like, I think that there's a really important place for this conversation. And I think that that like people are becoming more and more and more aware that this conversation is happening. And we're saying actually like this is discriminatory behavior. <laughs> um, and you know, to to be able to stand up and say, hey, listen, like I think maybe you should think about the the verbiage that you're using because you're speaking to people who are incredibly impressionable and who are here to learn. And you know, they, they need to be told that they are good enough Yeah, because that's, that's a huge part of this industry. That is like the part of this industry that makes it so difficult yeah. to, yeah. to break into. It's, it's about like, you know, 
having the confidence to get rejected all the time and say, it doesn't matter because I'm amazing. And if they can't see what I would bring to the role, then that's their loss. And, you know, being able to walk into a room and saying like, I know who I am. And so this is the character, you know, and, and that that's your interpretation of the character. And if that's not their vision, then fine. But again, this is going back to that conversation before it shouldn't have a damn thing to do with what you look like. And I think that it's, it's, unfortunately it's up to us and it's, it's up, it's up to younger generations to Mm -hmm. challenge people who are older than them and who are in authority, you know, positions, authoritative positions to be able to say, Hey, like, I think you might have this a little bit backwards. Right. You know? Right. I, I completely agree with saying, and quite honestly have struggled with that, um, within my own program of just where do I cross the line of disrespect um, as a student. And I think there, it's a different ball game in college. Obviously you're paying for this education in a way that you might not be in a high school environment. You know, you're an adult, you're treated more like an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, I fear being viewed as a problem or hard to work with or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. Um, I just think we have so many associations in life as well as theater with even just describing adjectives of performers who are mid-sized to plus-sized actors or actresses that are just hard to break. Um, And that goes into race as well. I think Mm -hmm. that we, we also had to, you know, describe ourselves to the class and adjectives that we look for in roles and stuff like that. Um, And even just the tendency to call African-American people aggressive or African-American people um, sassy, um, as well as uh, a plus size person being brash or bold or just all these words that I think aren't associated with skinny bodies. And it makes me wonder why. yeah it's just it comes up everywhere where it's in it's sometimes inadvertent from from professors and from um people who are even in the program or oh you're not fat or oh you're beautiful just things that are you're not this so you must be this Mm -hmm. it's just all the lines are so blurry yeah um I think it's um the uh, the other I think discouraging part and I and I don't want to I mean this is obviously such an important topic but the thing that is very frustrating whether you're especially in college but also in professionally too you are as a performer you are at the hands of another person's viewpoint and I I'm looking back on the you know the college professors I worked with as a stage manager and I truly think that ignorance is bliss. Some people just do not realize that they are putting certain people in boxes mm-hmm. and that they are putting, um, just like discounting people based off of the way that they look because they aren't even aware they're discriminating against them. Right. And I do think that's easier to say when it comes to body type, but it's definitely across the board because I, I just know speaking from my experience at my college, Um, and it's upsetting because when, if what exactly there's a, there's a line, yes, in college, you are, you're paying for an education and 
you have a, a rapport with your professors and potentially your directors that maybe you could go up and ask them like, well, why, why was everyone who was called back for this role looked like this way? Did was that on purpose? But it's scary. And it's, once again, it's vulnerable and how you are perceived is everything. Yeah. And if you, if you offend someone because people don't like being called out on their bullshit, um, it can be really detrimental, whether it's emotionally or career-wise. Yeah. yeah. I also, I do think though, that, that there is a big difference, you know, between being disrespectful and, um, and, and maybe just like sparking a conversation. Right. Right. Like there's, there's a way to say, you know, like, I think what you're saying is ass backwards in a way that doesn't sound like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like there's, there's always a world in which, and you know, maybe you don't do this in an audition room. Right. But like, (laughs) but when you do have that rapport with a professor or, um, a director or, you know, what have you, I think that the classroom is a perfect place to say, well, that's interesting that you think that what, like, can you say a little bit more about why you see it that way? And I think asking people to explain themselves further is a really good way of getting, um, getting to the bottom of a, of a bigger conversation. Right. Like, I think, you know, being able to say, I, I, um, respectfully disagree with you and here's what I think um, and I, I, I bet you anything that at least four other people in the classroom are going to be glad that you said something, right. you know what I mean? And, and I think that like part of being able to pursue this is to be able to speak up for yourself and say, you know, well, actually this is, this is what I believe. And there are going to be tons of people that don't agree with you and that's okay. But there will also be people that totally do agree with you. And then, you know, if you can, if, if you can stay true to who that person is and, and continue to, to hold yourself to that belief system, then when you walk into a room, people are going to see this, like this person who's sure of themselves, you know what I mean? And then it's, and then the people that do agree with you are the people that are going to see that and say, that's who I want to work with, you know? Yeah. Things um, I wish I knew. Yeah, truly. It's like hindsight's 2020, you know? Right. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on. A good spot. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's do it. Um, what are some things that you know about loving your body that you would want to teach your younger self or a future child? Mm. Um, I think the most important thing is that weight fluctuation is normal. Um, I think as children and and even adults, when we gain weight or even when we lose a significant amount of weight and it's not intentional, we, we blame ourselves, um, when there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, I specifically, like I said, I've, I've struggled with body image, my pretty much my entire, um, life, but throughout college specifically, it's been a weird battle with it where, um, my freshman year, I had a very serious back injury, um, and was out of dance for four months and I gained 30 pounds. 
um, and everyone's talking about this freshman 15. And I'm like, well, what do I do when I've gained 30 pounds? <laughs> and I-, I think just the tendency of, well, it's not my fault, but it's still negative. You know, I've, I've couldn't even walk without pain. I couldn't do any physical activity whatsoever, um, which being a dancer aside, even just not wanting to walk as many places just because of how much pain I was in. Um, obviously I'm going to gain weight. I'm not doing any sort of physical activity. Um, not to mention dining hall food, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so that was a big, a big thing that I was struggling with. And specifically like Sierra was saying before I did a, um, summer stock contract the summer after my injury, um, right when I had gotten back to dance. So I hadn't lost any of the weight. Um, and my initial reaction was, oh, I got cast in this when I was thinner and they're not going to want me anymore and Mm -hmm. this or that. And, and just comparing my, even my dance ability to being less than, which wasn't about weight, but any sort of weakness I was feeling about dance was just simply not having practiced dance for four months. Um, which is a huge thing, you know, professional ballet dancers take class every single morning, they do a plie every single morning. Um, And if they have a day where they don't do that, I'm sure the next day they'll feel a little bit worse of a dancer has nothing to do with weight. Um, But that's what my association was. Um, And that's when I think my dialogue was the worst um, about everything. And I wish I could just go back and explain even to that 18 year old version of me that it was normal and not my fault. <laughs> that was the summer that I met um, Sarah, who again, I keep talking about Sierra was talking about as mm-hmm. she mentioned her madly in love. Um, <laughs> but she had to point it out to me how nasty I was talking about myself all the time. And, you know, she had already graduated her BFA program. So I was, you know, idolizing her in that way. Um, and she was like, you just have this view of your body that no one else has. She was like, when you dance, we are complimenting your dancing. No one's looking at the things about you that you don't like. Um, and she was a huge reason why I had to kind of get my shit together with this fat phobia that I had my entire life. Um, Cause as I was gaining weight, the fat phobia just got worse inside of me where mm-hmm. I was like having to call myself out for just literally any chance I could making fun of myself Um, which you guys have talked about in previous episodes where you feel like in order to deal with your own insecurity you want to be the one who starts the joke Um, and I think that's something that I had to call out and just work on so I, I going back to the question is I wish I could tell my younger self that it's okay to go up and down with weight that it's normal um that it doesn't make you weak or less than um, in your craft or as a person. Um, I, I, you know, I, when I had gained all that weight, I used to look back at photos of myself when I was dancing every single day at age like 14 and 15. And I'm 18 at that point. You're not going to look like you looked when you're 14 and 15, when you're 18. Yeah. Um, especially when you get on birth control, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just wish that kids knew that that was normal. And, you know, you might be considered quote unquote, a chubby child and then lose a bunch of weight during puberty or vice versa. Like it's completely unpredictable how weight fluctuation works. Um, And I just wish it was more normalized. 
Yeah. Um, so that was be my main thing. I wish I could go back. My 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 current therapy sessions um, are all about weight fluctuation right now because I had a really rough week last week because I felt like I wasn't as active as I usually am. And I'm was trying to tell myself, like, I just don't feel the same body that I felt a couple weeks ago. And I'm trying to remind myself that like, it's okay for your body to fluctuate and you, you're, it's okay to gain some weight. It's okay to lose some weight. Cause I've been villainizing weight loss in my head because mm-hmm. I was trying to overcompensate for the fact that I'm like trying to be okay with gaining weight. Right. Totally. And, but in the same time, like it's totally normal for your body to fluctuate and it's totally normal to have feelings about it. Wow. But I think exactly. You have to kind of talk to yourself and almost talk yourself out of that initial reaction of what is happening to your body and understand like, it makes sense why this happened. And it's normal and it's your body's way of processing the change of your lifestyle, the change of how you're functioning, whatever it may be. And it's obviously so easy to say that, but that's been my like real, like my current journey is like being okay and understanding that it's so normal, but it's, it is hard. Yeah. Yeah, I I think going off of what you had just said, I just want to say, yeah. forget I it's really interesting interesting that you said that because I think after I started this like body neutrality journey within Mm -hmm. myself I sort of had the exact same experience where if I was being more active and did happen to lose weight I was like that means that I don't like the bigger version of me like I have to I didn't mean to do this guys like like I didn't that I might had lost weight on purpose or whatever, like that it was somehow a bad thing. And my, you know, my close friends have even called me out on it where they're like, oh yeah, I'm trying this cleanse. And I'm like, but the body you have is beautiful. They're like, (laughs) yeah, Um, it's just like, Anna, not everything about weight loss is bad. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you said that. Well, and I think it's, it's important to bring up too, because this is, this is something that I've definitely experienced. I think we've all experienced this for sure. And especially if you are on the, you know, like the sort of self-love road, um, I think this can come up because bodies do fluctuate all the time. And I think it's, it's really hard because of the society that we live in to not have emotions about it one way or another. Like, you know, when, when you gain weight, maybe feeling negative about it because that's like the first that that's like, of course, that's always going to come up because we are traumatized. Right. We're traumatized. Like that's, that's what this is. And then when you lose weight, maybe you, maybe you do feel happy about it. Maybe you do celebrate it. Even if, even if that's not like what your thinking is anymore or your frame of mind is anymore. I think sometimes it's hard to not go there first, but, um, I feel like, and I think it actually might even be Sarah who has said this to me. Somebody has said this to me, um, that, so you know, <laughs> right? so somebody, somebody in my life, um, is that, you know, it's, you can't control the first thought that you have. Maybe this is Chris. That's too. me. Yeah. I'm like somebody <laughs> important. Um, you can't control the first thought that you have, but you can control the thoughts that come after that. And, mm. you know, and I think that like, this is a great example of that is that you can't villainize yourself for 
you know, slipping into that way of thinking because we are surrounded by it constantly. And it is a part of who we are. And we have learned that like, that's that information is stored in your body. And it's really, really hard to let that go. It takes years and years and years and years of work. And even then that's why people say the journey's, you know, ongoing. Um, but I think what you think about after that is, is more important than that first initial thought and thinking, you know, well, you know, like maybe I did lose weight and that's okay. And I'm, I'm just as beautiful when I'm bigger as I am right now. And I'm, I'm still going to allow myself to eat intuitively. And I'm still going to allow myself to live my life in the most joyful way possible. And, you know, that's, that's where I think you can go from there. But, but I think that it's, it's really a a great thing that you brought this up because I, I do Mm -hmm. think that it happens in either direction and it's hard. It's like, Oh no, I've, I've, I've fucked up. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, and like you said, I think it goes both ways where one of my best friends, um, a professor had drawn attention to the fact that she looked thinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, I don't know if he meant it as a compliment or if he meant it cause he was concerned. Like, I don't know what the intent was. Um, but it made her doubt, um, whether or not it was even good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it, it, this is why I just think no one should comment on any sort of weight fluctuation of any kind. <laughs> Correct. Um, I, I, when I did finally begin dancing again, I did lose the weight and people made comments all the time that I just looked so much better and I looked so much fitter and all these things that I was like, guys, it wasn't my fault and blah, blah, blah. And then all my own internalized insecurities come out because of comments that are being made where I'm like, oh, people noticed that I looked worse mm. like before. Mm. Um, and, and that's what one of my good friends was saying when, when she had gotten that comment is that she didn't lose weight intentionally. Um, and then she felt like maybe she looked sickly or she looked concerning and, and or that she looked bad before and just all the things that come with that. Um, that we just shouldn't make comments about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Okay. So how do you talk about body image or plan to talk about body image around children? Or do you? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. Um, Sierra has been very open about her discussions with her mother about this. Um, I think it's a huge issue with just mother-daughter. Um like you said, growing up in like a 70s, 80s mindset or or even prior, like my grandma wanting to look like a Coke bottle, like things mm-hmm. that are just not things that we should be wanting, um, frankly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it's important that children, specifically women, just because I do think it has a huge um, effect on young girls, is that you're not pretty because of your body or not even not even just complimenting children for appearance Mm -hmm. I just hope that as a generation we can steer more towards complimenting character and heart and actions and I just I feel so strongly that I I do think we're making progress in this life and that even in conversations I hear from other children my mom's a kindergarten teacher Um, and just the way that children speak has just changed so drastically. Um, you know, calling people the F slur isn't really as much of an issue anymore. Thank God. 
um, bullying children for their weight is getting less prevalent. Um, and I even just noticed that in seeing children with my mom being a teacher and everything. And this goes into, you know, accepting other gender identities and accepting other sexualities as well, where, um, you know, kids in kindergarten are using they, them. And those things are just like huge leaps and bounds. Um, but I think that these kids that are making progress are talking about these things at home. And so when I am, um, I want I want to make worth about inner and not mm. outer. Um, and yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been complimented by a family member on my hair or on my, I don't even know, my boobs, stuff that's random um, that I just wish wasn't the focus. Um, yeah. That I wish wasn't the topic of conversation. I wish people would say, you look happy, you're glowing, you're so talented, you're this, like those things hold so much weight um, with us as people, whereas I'm not going to be thinking about someone complimenting my waist um, in the same way I think about someone complimenting my character. Um, and, and I think that all starts with, with young, being young and, and the things that you hold on to. Um, I can remember comments that were made to me as a child that just haunt you mm -hmm. um, and that you literally can't escape. I take a ballet class and I hear these things over and over that I heard when I was 12 years old yeah. because as children, our memories are so selective um, and I just, it's crazy what we retain um, sometimes over things that we think we would retain. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just all, it's very impactful. Yeah, sponges. they are. Well, and yeah. I think that it's what you were touching on um, was so amazing because kids really do just like adhere to their environment. Yeah. So if, if, you know, you're normalizing using they, them kids are going to be like, oh yes, obviously like that is just, that's how that person identifies. Yeah. It's not like that's lost on children somehow, you know, it's like, we are, we are able to understand things at a very young age. And I think that people do not give children enough credit, but I, I do, I totally agree. I think it really, really starts with kids. And I think that, you know, in, in both directions, it can, it can start in a negative way, but it can also start in a positive way. And that's one of the things that I love about this question too, because I think, you know, we do have a responsibility to, um, to, to change things, um, yeah. for the better. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's a big part of why Chrissy and I get on and, and try to do this every week and, you know, and, and really want the conversation to be bigger and keep going and, and, you know, have a, have a wider and wider outreach because the more we learn, the more we're able to pass on. Yeah. And, and I think also that it's important to draw like attention to the fact that, we aren't done, you know, it's not like we've arrived here. It's going to keep coming. Yep. Um, and I've been lucky enough to grow up with two very, very liberal and open-minded parents, um, which a lot of people don't have the um, privilege of having. Um, I also went to a predominantly African-American high school and these environments, I think, influence us as people so much. Um, when you're not exposed to diversity, whether it be race or gender or sexuality, whatever it may be, 
that's when you're not educated on it. And then it's up to you when you go to college or when you leave home to learn all those things and not to mention all the people who choose not to learn those things. Mm, Um, Yeah. Well, I just wish people, you know, were exposed to more. Um, I use this example a lot. My first ballet teacher, they were two married men. And so the, you know, the issue of, of being gay was never something I was questioning because I was exposed to it so early. It was brought up to me so casually. My family did such a great job in that department where my mom was like, yep, that's his husband. And I was like, oh, people can be married to other sexes. Like that's how that works. Um, And and yeah, and I, I think that the issue of transgender rights is so new that I know specifically as a child, I was very exposed to other sexualities, which makes me more open. I'm an openly queer person um, and and everything. And that's been kind of easy for me to come to terms with because of my accepting environment. Whereas learning about transgender rights and transgender issues has been something that has been new to me because those aren't things that I was exposed to as a child or in high school. Um, and, and, you know, working on educating myself to them, I, I just can see how much influence it would have on a kid to just have a they them pronoun in their class like how that really does um you know cause you to grow in ways that I wish I had yeah and and it and it's exactly it doesn't have to be this huge revolutionary conversation because at a young age it's just got your whole life you you learn you take in you're receiving information and you go got it. That's how this works. And then you move yeah. on. I, I follow this, um, TikTok parent and they always, uh, talk about how they break, they bring up very progressive conversations with their young kids. And I love it. Cause it's always about how it doesn't have to be this huge conversation as, as we have grown up and as we've become adults, I think a lot of the conversations around these things are very passionate because you've gone X amount of years with a certain mindset. And then all of a sudden that is being challenged for a good reason. Um, so you have to like really have a conversation and be like, what does that mean? Or, or maybe you don't, but I definitely had to like really educate myself and really get into a conversation about like, okay, so this is what's wrong and this is what's okay. This like all of that. And for kids, it's just like, got it <laughs> moving on. Adults are so prideful. And it's, it's, you're calling me out. I'm less than like, I'm wrong. I'm this, I'm that. And like, it's just, and that's something I've even struggled with. Like, because I've been like, well, I'm so liberal. I can't be wrong. Yeah. Like (laughs) someone else is like, oh, well, we shouldn't really say that. You should say this, like things that, you know, it's just, even as people who are more open-minded, we still have that fragility um, specifically on all the, um, you know, predominant race issues that we've had within the past two, three years. Yeah. Uh, just that white fragility even of just, yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to be inherently racist, even if you don't mean to be. And that's mm-hmm. just super uncomfortable to think about. Um, yeah, exactly what you said. I, I think if it's brought up like early on, then it doesn't have to be this huge attacking conversation later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, let's let's keep going. Um, so we're totally gear shifting here. Um, do you feel over sexualized or under sexualized because of your appearance? Mm. Um, yeah, I I think both. I think it's weird because I think bigger bodies are fetishized in a weird way um, by a lot of individuals, but then also put down in other contexts. I've even just heard in conversation, like in high school as well as college, that just like, oh, like she's someone I would like fuck, not someone I would date. Like mm. just things that are like, which don't even necessarily have to be about size, but just overall body type of maybe she has large breasts. And so you'd have sex with her, but you might not date her because of X, Y, Z, like um, all of that. So I think both, I think I've had men look down on me because of my body. Um, I think I've had men look at me too much because of my body. Um, just being told that certain things that I've worn are distracting. Whereas if a smaller body wore them, they're not. Um, I, I, yeah, I've, I've gotten leotards that just show my chest in a way that might draw more attention. Um, just things that I'm like, can you really not look away? Like it's that big of a deal to you, what I'm exposing or what I'm wearing. Um, yeah, it, it's strange. I think it's hard to balance what you yourself want your body to look like when you have the expectation of what is desirable as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like me feeling insecure my entire life for having like a larger chest or a larger behind and everything. Um, but then that being like, oh, your ass is so fat. Like stuff that's just like, oh, so you like that about me when I've always hated that about me. Um, I think, yeah, I think sexualizing someone is a very weird thing. Um, it can either make you feel disgusting or really, really attractive. So mm. it's riding that fine line. Um, you guys have talked about that in other episodes too, of like the term, this is so fat, is that good or is that bad? Like your ass is fat or whatever. Um, and yeah, and I've just, I've heard the discussions that men have. I think young men, teenage men specifically can be so gross um I I've been friends with a lot of guys my whole life and just like hearing things that they've said I'm just like do you really like think like that um mm. and don't get me wrong women can do the same thing I've heard women make fun of other women's arms make fun of their boobs being saggy like I it comes from everyone um even even people who don't mean to do it um mm just comparing and saying, well, why would he want to have her? I'm so much more attractive than her. And, and the tendency to put other women down. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer the question, both. <laughs> I think that's a fabulous answer. And I, I actually, I don't think anybody has, has answered this question quite like that, but I, I really, I love your take on it because yeah, I, same. I think, I think that actually a lot of people experience both. Um, and I, I think that it's really fascinating to kind of think about it in this way. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult because I think as, as women, especially like there are a lot of expectations to begin with, and it's very wrapped up in what is desirable, especially to men and in relationship to men. And then that gives them license and 
other women licensed to comment on bodies. So it's, it's kind of like never ending cycle of, you know, learned, learned behavior. Uh, that it is okay to comment on somebody else's body. And I think that's something that we're having to fight to unlearn also because, you know, and Chrissy and I talk about this all the time, it's actually not really okay. (laughs) And we've even said it in this episode, like it's not okay to comment on somebody else's body. It's none of your goddamn business. You know, like you, you just, even if you know that person well, like it's, it's just not your place. If you're worried about them, that's okay, but you can keep that to yourself. Um, if you are sexualizing them, please keep that to yourself because <laughs> it is it is a little bit weird. And unless you have a sexual relationship with that person, it's inappropriate. So, I mean, I think that I think that this is something that we're going to have to continue to combat. But but I agree. I I think that I, I feel like I've definitely experienced both too. Yeah. I I. I also love that you said this because Sierra and I have gone back and forth a lot with each other on the podcast and off about our relationship with being like sexualized. And I feel like what you said is the first like affirming way I've heard it where I'm like, that's closer to how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, definitely that. Yay. That's so validating. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's really hard because I think that, um, it's, it's a real problem. And, and I've talked about this before too, because I, I just really believe that a naked body is not inherently sexual. It's the same argument for the fucking bullshit dress code stuff that, that we hear in, in schools, our entire lives. It's like, well, actually, um, if we just didn't teach people that it's okay to, um, look at a woman's body in that way and inherently like, go there of like, oh, she's showing skin and therefore like she wants this attention from me. Like that is learned behavior. Oh yeah. I, that's, that's something I've, I wanted to talk about too, is like I was saying before, I post a lot on social media. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. I just do a lot of social marketing for myself. Um, and it's always been so hard for me to post photos of myself that are exposing my body. Um, not only just like, oh, I think people will think I look bad, but like, because I don't want people to think I'm easy or I don't want people to think Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting, wanting attention or wanting compliments and just all this stuff. Um, I posted a photo a few months ago of me, um, in my bra and shorts And in the caption, I described how I didn't want this photo to be about me being in a bra and shorts and how I wanted it to be, this is my body and I'm existing. And I still got DMs from random people who I didn't know that were like sexualizing me and and making comments. When the caption literally said, please do not sexualize this. and so it's hard to to have that expectation. I mean, I get banned on TikTok for posting a bikini photo when minors post bikini photos on TikTok. Mm. But if it's a flat chest, it's somehow okay. And it's not sexual. It's, it's fashion or it's trendy to wear, you know, no bra if you're a small body. But the second that you wear no bra and you're a larger body it's gross or it's unattractive or it's not appealing or flattering 
Um, and and yeah, I, I think the fear of being sexualized is just so large for for larger plus-sized women, curvier yeah. women. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. men as well. I know a lot of men who have the same issue. If they're not ripped or buff, um, they don't want people to see them. They don't want people to comment on, on what they look like um, or, or vice versa. I have a lot of really fit friends who don't like people to over-sexualize them or fetishize them. Um, it's just something that people need to shut up about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If somebody is not vi- inviting that attention, just ke- keep your fucking mouth shut. Verbally shut inviting it. Not yes. you assuming they're inviting right. it based off of something. Yeah. Oh, she's uh, wanting yeah. me to comment on her ass because she's posting a picture of her ass. Maybe she just wants to post a picture of her ass. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to just appreciate your body and things that you are told for a long time you shouldn't. Yeah. I And that doesn't yeah. have to be sexual. No. no. I always, I, I think about this a lot because I remember growing up and like, when I went through puberty, I started to gain a lot of weight and immediately started to dislike my body. But I was so excited because I had boobs and I was like, finally, like, this is going to be my, my redeeming quality. And people will like me because I have boobs. And I remember feeling so disgusted with myself when, cause I'd be like, I feel good wearing a V-neck because it makes me feel like, oh, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm getting more mature. And then I'd have like, whether it was a, a family member or, or a classmate, like make very derogatory sexual comments about it, that I know that it no longer, the one thing that I was excited about, about my body changing then became really scary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's such a, like, it's such a weird thing. And it's something that we just so readily accept Yeah. As just like, oh yeah. Okay. That's just like the way it is or, oh, boys will be boys, which is just like my least favorite thing that anybody has ever said. It's like, (laughs) oh no, no, actually you taught them to be that way. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst saying in the history of the world. It's just, it really is. And I also feel like, you know, this, this comes up a lot, like in the workplace and in, schools and you know just anywhere where like there is some way to quote unquote dress appropriately or professionally I think that a lot of that is wrapped up in you know you need to dress a certain way so that people Mm -hmm. are not looking at you in a certain way Mm -hmm. and it's interesting like coming into the the place that I'm working now um there it's I mean I didn't really experience this because it kind of happened before my time but there have apparently been a lot of conversations about like the dress code and there have been a lot of changes in dress code because other women felt that it was their responsibility to um, have a say in how uh, how their colleagues should be dressing and um, you know there are people of all ages that are working at this business and I do think that it is somewhat of a generational thing, but you know, it's, it's really, it it can be really tricky because again, it's, it's going back to that thing of like, why do you think it's appropriate to comment on another person's body and to sexualize them in that way when nobody else is, is doing that and nobody else sees it that way, you know? So anyway, 
we could go on and on and on and on about this oh, forever. <laughs> but let's wrap it up with our last question. What are three things that you love about your body? Ooh, um, three things I love about my body. Um, some of them aren't sexual, but it's okay. Um, like you said, your naked body doesn't have to be sexual. Um, but yeah, I, I really love my lips. I've always loved my lips. Um, also just my smile. Like I just like my smile. Um, I really like my, um, calves, my strong calves. Uh, that's something that a lot of people work hard for and ballet gives you, um, which is really fun. Um, and I like my back, um, which is weird. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but I just like showing off my back, like my shoulder blades and my, um, I don't know, just like the small of my back. Even I just think a back is so beautiful the way that it's built. Um, Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah bodies are bodies are works of art right mm-hmm. truly yeah well thank you so much Anna this has been such a lovely conversation it's been so great to get to know you as well yeah. yes I'm so glad I could come on I've had so much fun I Yay. love so much I tell everyone about it all the Aww. time Anna truly is our biggest supporter no, I, actually, I actually you could call me creepy about it. How many times? We could if we didn't have, uh, or if we did have a bigger following than we do, but <laughs> honestly, we're, we're very grateful for yeah. the, uh, the shout outs. But anyway, yes, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me and I'll Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. Yay. 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 Then thank you for everyone who is listening. You know the gist and the all of it. Rate, review, subscribe, comment. Let's get those reviews and comments in Apple Podcasts. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And um and now you guys have got some competition because Anna is really our our number one uh supporter and fan here. So get to it, you guys. Um, and don't forget ever that all shades of gray are beautiful. Goodbye.